Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Uh, I'm going to speak this morning on the peace that's found in the will of God, the peace that's found in the will of God. And you turn to Isaiah, very well-known chapter, Isaiah chapter 26, and we're going to read that one verse there, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Father, this morning we pray for your help, for your anointing both to preach and to hear your word. Lord, we realize without the anointing, without the Holy Ghost, Lord, it's merely words this morning. It's merely a sermon that a man has prepared. But, oh God, we're asking for the anointing of the Spirit of God to come, Lord, upon this vessel. Lord, touch these stammering lips this morning with a living coal off thine altar. And Lord, would you speak into our hearts this morning? We need to hear from heaven. We need to hear a word from the throne. Oh God, this morning, every thought and every word of, of this vessel, Lord, that is off me, Lord, I pray that would fall and die. But Lord, everything that is off you and your heart this morning, that you would quicken it by the power of your spirit, that you give us ears to hear. Lord, give us hearts that are tender and give us, Lord, wills that are willing to give and to submit ourselves to your word and to act upon thy word. Oh God, this morning, you know every hearer, everyone that is tuned in, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. Lord, bless each home, bless each family. Lord, shut us in with thyself. Lord, we pray for this lockdown to be lifted soon. Lord, that we'd meet again for prayer, for praise, for, Lord, the testimony, psalms, songs, preaching of your word and the glory of your name. Oh, Father, would you undertake in Jesus' name we ask. So, Lord, now anoint us. Lord, anoint us afresh this morning with fresh oil, O God, and glorify your Son through this vessel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou wilt keep him in perfect, perfect peace, whose mind is stead on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The peace of God found in the will of God. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing in these days in which we are living to know Christ as your Savior. Through the finished work of the cross, 2,000 years ago, when Christ cried from that center cross that it, it is finished. We thank God this morning that the day and the hour that the Lord saved us and we put our faith and trust in him and we were born of the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that now we have peace with God. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and 20 that having made peace, through the blood of the cross, there's peace this morning. Once enemies, but now we have peace with God. In Ephesians 2 and 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh, or brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition that was between us. And we have peace with God. Now I want to speak this morning not on that aspect of peace, but not on that aspect of having peace with God, but having the peace of God in our lives found in that will of God. This peace that we so often forfeit, as the hymn writer says, that peace that's in our mind, that peace in our heart, that peace that's in our spirit, because we're living in a world of tribulation and fear and turmoil and the nations are being shaken not just universally but individually we're seeing a great shaking that is sweeping across the world at this time we see it across america we see it spreading we see that all the different things that we're well versed on coming 
through our, our televisions and through our internets, through our radios, we're being bombarded every day with a world that's in turmoil. And Jesus said these words in John chapter 16 and verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. This is what Jesus said. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Now remember what he's promising here in Isaiah. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on thee, because he trusteth in thee. There's a perfect peace. Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, John 16 and verse 33, that in me ye might have peace, the peace of God. In Christ we would have this peace. Then he says these words, now listen carefully. In the world, in the world, this world, ye shall have tribulation. There is tribulation in the world. Jesus is telling us it clearly, that in him we'll have peace. But in the world there will be tribulation. This Exactly what is happening is what the Bible has told us is going to happen. We shouldn't be in shock or horror at the events that are unfolding because Jesus told us clearly that in this world, and the Bible goes further as we go through the epistles and in the Revelation, that in the last days in particular, there will be a great distress that will come upon the nations. We have been preaching the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. Many preachers have been faithfully preaching the second coming of Christ the events and the signs that will that will that will come before the second coming of the Lord. We've been hearing it for a long time. So in many respects, we should not be caught off guard. We should not be shocked or in horror at the events as much as they are shocking. But the Lord has said that in this world we will have tribulation. Then he goes further and says these words, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord this morning that Jesus has overcome. And if he has overcome, then we will overcome. We are victors in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is what he says. In me ye might have peace. In the world, look at this. In the world there is tribulation. There is distress. There is turmoil. There is this shaking of the nations. There is the fear in men's hearts. But in Christ this morning for the believer, for those that trust the Lord, the Bible tells us clearly that in Christ we'll have peace. He says to us this morning, he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stead upon him because we're trusting in the almighty God. We're trusting in Jesus In the previous chapters in John chapter 14 and verse 27, those those great chapters as the Lord brought these great truths to us, he said, peace, this is what he said, John 14 and 27, peace, I leave with you. Jesus said, I'm leaving you peace. My peace, he said, I give unto you. We have peace with God, but now he's giving us his peace. He says, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now listen this morning very carefully, saints. He says, not what the world gives you. That's not the peace that I'm offering you. Because they'll speak of peace. They'll speak of their peace. But that's not the peace that Jesus Christ is going to give us or has given us. If you're looking at the events and you're living your life according to what the latest press releases are on a daily basis, if that's how your life is conditioned, Uh, according to what they're saying up in the hill every day or what's coming out of Downing Street, if that's how you're living your life according to what they say, then let me tell you something, friend, this morning, and I say this respectfully, but if you're living that way, that's going to affect your spirit, and that's going to affect your peace. But if you're living your life according to this word and the words of Jesus Christ, which are life this morning, then you're going to have a peace in your heart. You're going to have a peace in your mind. You're going to be led by the Spirit of God. And that peace that passes understanding is going to flood your soul. So many believers, I'm not saying this in a condemnatory way in any any aspect at all, but they're living their lives. They're being completely conditioned by what comes out of the 
the, the press conferences every day. I don't even listen to them, to be quite frank with you. But I do believe this, that my life has to be ordered and has to be led by God's Word, primarily above everything else. And Jesus said these words, I'm giving you peace, not that this world gives you. I give unto you. There is a peace that comes What Jesus is saying, there's a peace that comes from another kingdom, not this one. Not this world, not the God of this world, not the systems of this world, not the media of this world, not not the governments of this world, but there's a, a peace that comes from another kingdom, and that kingdom is God's kingdom. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Brothers and sisters, this morning, We have a king that's on the throne and his name is Jesus and he's in control of everything and he knows our tomorrow. We must know that our peace, the peace that we have been afforded, is not a peace that can never never be found in this world. If we are sitting on the edge of a radio every day, being dictated to and living our lives in the light of what men and women say, and our governments and the nations across the world, then, friends, your spirit is going to be affected by the spirit of this age. But we are led not by the spirit of this age. We are led by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus Christ is the King of kings. He's our Lord and he's our Savior. And he says, I'm leaving you peace. This world can't give you that peace, but I'm going to give you a peace that your heart does not need to be troubled, neither does our hearts need to be afraid. When we lose our peace, friends, when we lose our peace, we become like the children of Israel that has been set out for us as examples in God's Word. We must know that when the peace goes, then it is replaced with fear. And when fear comes, fear and unbelief work together. It will affect everything of our sight, our vision, our hearing, our walk and our lives. And so we must be careful as we're living this life in this hour. That people are watching us. Our children are watching us. How we're living our lives. Are we living in fear? Are we living with that spirit of the age dictating to us how we're going to live our lives? Let me tell you, friend, this morning, we are born of the Spirit of God. Christ lives within our hearts. The Bible says, Greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. Thank God this morning I'm an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Thank God this morning... I've got the joy of the Lord. Thank God this morning that my name is written in heaven and this world's not my home, that I'm passing through this as a stranger and a pilgrim. Thank God this morning I'm not driving my tent pegs into this rotten world, but I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We must know this morning that this whole system cannot dictate to us how we're going to live our lives. And we must know how we live is going to affect the people even around us. How can I have a peace in a world that's so filled with turmoil and despair? How can I have a peace in my mind when all the things and all the fiery darts of wickedness are being directed at the church of Jesus Christ? How can I have a peace in my home, when my home is facing the storms of life and the winds and the rains that are coming against it? How can I have a peace about the questions that that trouble me about my life and my future, about my job, about my school, about my career, about who I will marry or whether I will marry or not? How can I go forward when these things come to take away my peace? And the danger is, friends, When our peace is taken, that peace that Christ has purchased for us to give us a perfect peace whose mind is stead on Jehovah. We end up so often like the children of Israel who have been so wonderfully delivered from Egypt itself and from the power of Pharaoh and his great army brought out of Egypt and set free by the great hand of Almighty God. And we come to the shores of the Red Sea and when we lose our peace we're so often like them when they said these words oh you brought us out here to kill us 
Why are you dealing with us this way? It is better for us that we go back to Egypt and serve the Egyptians. That's what happens when peace goes. That's what happens. I know we don't say exactly those words, but we live that way. We live as though God has in some way shortchanged us. Can I tell you, God is a faithful God. God will never leave you nor forsake you. God has a perfect plan for every life. It may not be what you want, but I tell you, friend, this morning, if we give ourselves to God holy, everything's working together for good to them that love the Lord. When that evil heart of unbelief comes in and the peace goes out the window, then the words that we begin to speak have a profound effect on the people that are around us. You think of those spies. Friends, I want to tell you something. They lost their peace when they walked into that land and God had promised them victory. But when they seen the giants, they lost their peace. And that evil heart of unbelief entered into that heart and they had a profound effect on two million people. Friends, this morning, this world's not our home. And this system of government that's all around us universally is not how we're going to be dictated to. But there is a king on the throne this morning and his name is Jesus. And he has overcome the world. And we are to be of good cheer because everything is in control. All things are working together for good to them that love the Lord. How to have peace in a time of turmoil. How to have peace in a world that's being shaken. How to have peace when the storms are rising up against us in our homes and in our lives. How to have peace when there's great questions in our hearts concerning our life and our future. How to have the peace of God, that perfect peace, that perfect peace that he's promised in his work. Well, this morning I want us to turn to a story in the Bible. And there are so many uh, similarities to this story that I want to bring into the present hour in which we're living. It's one of those stories that is one of the great tragedies as well as one of the great triumphs in Scripture. And it's a story that has a great conspiracy, not, not in a sense of a theory, but it actually was a conspiracy that came to fruition. It was a time of great personal turmoil as much as a great national turmoil. But it is in this we find a great example of how we are to know the peace that, that Christ has promised us. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn back to 2 Samuel and chapter 15. 2 Samuel and chapter 15. At this time, the king was David, King David. He had a son whose name was Absalom. And at this particular time, we see that there was an increase in Absalom in pride, an increase in Absalom in his manipulation, his deception. And his desire in order to take the throne from his father, King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 4, if we could read a few verses. Absalom said, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come to me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when that any man came nigh to him to do him obscience, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, I pray thee, let me go, pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Now what we see here is in verse 6 that Absalom was maneuvering and working, as it were, undercover in order to steal the hearts of the men of Israel. And I want to tell you, friends, there's that great hymn we sing here, Majestic Sweetness Sits in Throne, that last verse talks about, If I had a thousand hearts to give, friends, this morning, don't let anyone steal your heart. 
Don't let anyone steal your affections for Jesus. Don't let this world creep in with all it has to offer, even the pleasures of sin. I'm talking to believers this morning. I'm not talking to the unsaved. Don't let the things of the world creep into that heart and into that life. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be set aside or get your vision on other things. And that's how the enemy would work even right back to the garden. How he would try to lure Eve away by the things that she's seen. Friends, as your affections and your love for Christ waned in any way, the reason why I say it is because Jesus told us clearly in his word that in the last days, because iniquity would arise, that the love of many would wax cold. The Bible tells us that there'll be a great fall in the way. And so, friend, this morning we must speak honestly. Is the heart and the passion and the love for Jesus the same today as it was the day that you were saved? Has the things of the world under the guise of an Absalom spirit, as it were, has it stolen your heart? Has it drawn you away? Has it drawn you into the things and the materialism and the, and the money and the houses and, and the jobs and the friends and, and the activities? Has it drawn you away into the things of the world? What a tragedy. It is a tragedy. That's what's happened in this day. It's a tragedy that so many have been beguiled, as it were, and they've been drawn into the things of the world. Their hearts have been stolen. They've been led away with, by their own lusts. And that's the whole spirit of the age. Here Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. David was the king. He was at a vulnerable time in the kingdom because David himself had fallen into sin. And now we see that he's weakened in some way. And at that moment of weakness, we see that that spirit of Absalom would rise up in order to steal the hearts of the people. I want to tell you, friend, has Christ got your heart? I want to ask, has he got your heart this morning? Oh, friend, my son, give me your heart. That's what he says. You know, he's not asking for your brain. He's not asking for your intellect. But I tell you, friends, has Christ won your heart? Has this Christ won your heart with the great love of Christ? Here we see the the beginnings of a conspiracy. If you turn to verse 12 in 2 Samuel, verse 15, Absalom sent for him Ahithophel, the Gileanite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, which he had offered sacrifices. And look what it says there. And the conspiracy was strong. Oh, there's a lot of strong conspiracies today, isn't there? Are you hearing all the conspiracy theories? But I want to tell you there's a lot of theories But there is a conspiracy. Oh yes, friend, you hear me this morning. There's a real conspiracy that's actually being lived out and presented to us every day that we're living. This is not a theory. This is not an idea of man. This is not an understanding or someone's thought of the day and what's taking place. The conspiracy is strong in the day in which we live. The people were increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David say, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Look what's happening in our day in which we're living. You know, many are being caught up into this. Many are going by the way of the Absalom spirit. I'm going to come to what that is in a moment. But many hearts are being won over. Many, many people are being won over to this system of this world. We have been preaching this for a long time. We have been warning of these days that were coming, not just me, but many preachers. And the warnings have come, and now the hour has come. And you're seeing slowly many men, many men who have sat under the great sign of the gospel and gospel truths are being won over by the system of this world. Their hearts... Their hearts are being won over. Slowly there's a conspiracy. And that conspiracy is starting to take a little bit of speed. And now things are beginning to manifest themselves in the day and in the hour. And their hearts are being won over. I'm talking this morning not about the unsaved. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. David, there came a messenger to David and said, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. You see, the affections, the desires, the passions that was once there for Jesus. Now now they've weaned away and so now there's, there's something else that's taken that affection. 
There's something else that's on the throne of the heart. Yes, I'm still a Christian. Yes, I still go to church. I'm going to tell your friends, it's going to be a different church in a broader aspect. It's going to be a different church when it comes back. Many won't come back. Many will stay at home believing that they're okay watching something online. They don't see any need to be part. That's the lay of the sea in spirit. I don't need to be part of anything. I don't need to be in any place. I don't need to be under any leadership. I don't need to be told anything. I have my Bible and I can sit at home and it's all about me. The conspiracy's rising. The affections are changing. The hearts of men were after Absalom. And David said unto his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite this city with the edge of the sword. What's this reminding us of? What's happening, friends? Listen to me. What's happening in our day? What is this reminding us of? Could I turn for a moment? If you have your Bible into Revelation uh, chapter 13. In this great chapter in Revelation 13, I don't claim to be an expert on end times. Don't claim to be a great theologian and understand all things. But friends, this morning I do seek the Lord to show, for the Lord to show us what's taken place, to hear from heaven and not just to bring a word to tickle men's ears. Here we see in this great chapter two beasts that rise. One comes from the sea and the other comes from the earth. You remember we've touched on this many times. We've preached this many times. But listen carefully to what is happening in our day. John it tells us here, stood upon the sand of the sea, Revelation 13 and 1. And he sees a beast rise up here as we understand it. Just like in Absalom's day, there was a conspiracy. And that conspiracy began to become strong. It began to rise up. Now when you see that a beast comes out of the sea, we, we know that the sea can mean different things. And in Revelation chapter 17, and that counterfeit church, which is the Roman Catholic system, that, that counterfeit, that whore of Babylon, it says that it's on many waters. It tells us later on that the many waters are the nations, are the people. You know, that Roman Catholic system is oppressive. It oppresses the people. It fleeces the people. It causes them to work Apparently they think for salvation it's a lie from the pit of hell, but it's so oppressive. But here when you see seas, when you see a beast coming out of the sea, the rise of an antichrist world, an Absalom spirit as it were, you see this rising up, rising out of the sea. Now the sea here, you know, I would believe that it speaks of a time of turmoil when the waves and the waves are roaring and the waves are coming and all the waves of doctrine and the turmoil of the nations at that moment of turmoil rises up a beast. Let me tell you, friend, in the world that's in turmoil and everything that's happening and the waves and the winds are blowing at this moment, here is what's happening. There's a rise of an antichrist system. Oh, friend, listen to me this morning. Listen to me, friend. Don't, don't be like, you know, many years ago when, when the United States and, and Great Britain invaded and many other nations invaded Iraq. There was a, there was a general in the Iraqi army. His name was Comical, his nickname is Comical Ali. You might remember him, you may not remember him, but I can remember watching this on television. And he was being interviewed. He always come up with some, outrageous statements leading up. He took the press conferences, but he's standing in Baghdad. I believe it was Baghdad. He's being interviewed by the press corps. And they're saying to him, Sir, uh, could you tell us what you're going to do with the U.S. Army when they enter in Baghdad? And there's Comical Ali, and he says, We're going to we're going to beat them. We're going to drive them out. We're going to disperse them. Not one of them will be remain alive. And as the cameras are rolling, coming down behind them is a huge U.S. military tank. Friends, 
What he was saying is what he thought or what he believed. But the reality was, it was happening right behind him. And here's the reality, friends. People might say many things about the end times. Many things about an antichrist world. But let me tell you something. Whether people believe it or they don't believe it, it's happening right now. It's already happening. The television cameras are rolling. This is live stream. And the Antichrist world is rising up right before us. It takes a turmoil. It takes something to happen in the world in order for this system to rise. And the conspiracy is strong. And it's been happening for many years. So we see it rises up. This system that is anti-Christ against Jesus Christ and his church. And it's rising rapidly in the very moments, the very days in which we're living in. These beasts come out of the sea. I believe the turmoil that's been taking place in our nations for some years now, not just in the last six months. But for some years, the turmoil that has been coming and brewing in the nations is presenting the Antichrist with a platform to rise up. You know what's happened in the space of a few months? What we thought in technology would take basically maybe a decade or more to condition society into, into a whole Antichrist system by using technology. What's, what we thought would take 10 years has taken three months. By the end of this year, we could see the fulfillment of the last two verses of Revelation 13, verses 17 and 18. Know what it says there? No man might buy or sell, save him that had the mark of the beast and the number of his name. He'll either have it in his, verse 16 says, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. People thought that was fantasy stuff. I want to tell you, friend, it's already here. It's already here. You see, the tank's already coming up behind you. And while the church are asleep and their hearts have been stolen and the Antichrist is on the rise, listen to me, look what happens. Revelation 13 and 2, The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were the feet of a bird and his mouth was the mouth of a lamb. And this is what it says, And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And the dragon... The dragon is the devil himself. That's the God of this world. You see, the conspiracy is strong. Here's my conspiracy, not a theory. Here's the conspiracy truth. There is a a devil and satanic inspired rise at this moment behind the nations and the governments. That's That's not what our battle is, friends. We're not wrestling with the flesh and blood, but that whole spirit is rising rapidly and they're inspired to conspire by satanic power, the dragon himself. We see the rise of this system and the devil is driven to make war and to make war with the saints. Verse 7 says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Now it is my belief And again, I know there's diversities. You see, the Antichrist is going to make war with the saints. And I want to tell you, friends, this is not in heaven, but this is on this planet. This is the saints that are on this earth. I'm going to tell you, friend, this morning, the church of Jesus Christ, God's God's church, the true church of Jesus Christ, are engaged in a spiritual battle against principalities and powers. And in the last days, with great tribulation, there's going, we are going to face the, the unleashing of the powers of darkness against the church of Jesus Christ. But be a good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. We're seeing it right now. It's happening. It's real time. It's not a way up in the future. We're seeing the unfolding of these events presently. And they'll make war with us who are here. We haven't been raptured for the Antichrist to make war with us. We're here on this planet, friends. We're the children of the Most High God. There's not another church. This is the church presently today. And Jesus Christ has triumphed over the devil. And he's given us the victory. And it's a time that the church stands up. But so many hearts are stolen. So many are being dictated to and living and conditioned 
by what Stormont say, or what Downing Street say, or what the White House says. I wonder if the three Hebrew children were with us today, what they would say. I wonder if the Hebrew midwives, what they would say, as the orders are being sent down from government. I want to tell you, friend, oh, to stand in these days. Oh, to stand up. It's no joke. I don't find it funny anymore. Friends, I believe that the church is being systematically put in its position by an antichrist system that's rising up. And while many might find it a funny thing or a joke, I believe the Spirit of God is wooing over this land longing to inspire a church again with the power of the Holy Ghost with the cross of Christ and the gospel, the good news. The devil has inspired the second beast in Revelation 13 works in tandem with the first. It comes out of the people. Deception to usher the people into receiving a mark in their hand. You might take it in your phone, your handset. I don't really know how it all works out exactly. And there's many theories within that and I don't discount them. But friend, I want to tell you something. We're being conditioned, socially conditioned, right in to these last moments of time. Revelation 13 is being played out as we walk through it. And oh, for the church of Jesus Christ to get our eyes on him who is above. How do we have a peace then? Tim, you're laying out before us some awesome things. If we believe what you're saying, if, if we actually grasp what you're telling us what's happening is the fulfillment of God's purpose and will because this book is God's will you can pray all day that this doesn't happen but I want to tell you friends this is already settled and it's going to happen whatever your theory is or whatever your theology is if it doesn't line up with this book friends I'm going to tell you something it's it's not worth what you're thinking about you're better putting it in the bin everything of what he said He's put down in a book for us. Thank God for it. Thank God he's inspired men of years gone by to pen these words under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. To to give to us the canon of scripture that has been divinely inspired, divinely preserved. And even men in recent years, as far as going back some hundreds of years, have given their life and their blood that I could hold a Bible this morning that I can hold this word of God, that I could stand here this morning and you can stand here this morning and you can sit in your home and you can search the scriptures and you can find out everything that's going to happen, what will happen and what the end's going to be. God is so loving and so gracious that he's given us his word. And friend, that word never changes. Man will change it. Man will do what they want with it. But this word never changes. This is God's word. People mock it. You know, I've seen people mocking the Bible. I've seen them mocking people who carry a Bible. I've seen them mocking people who, who wear a suit. Friends, who cares whether you wear a suit or you don't? If that's where we've got down to, if this is where we are in the church today, oh God, forgive us. Friends, this morning, this is God's word. It never changes. What he said out here, Matthew 24, Revelation, Thessalonians, that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, but I've got an interpretation. That's fine. We all have interpretations. But one way it's going to happen is going to happen according to this word. And it will be fulfilled right down to the very dot. It's going to happen. Some people don't believe that, even in churches today. But how, Tim, if this is real, which it is, can we have peace? How can I know the peace that he asks, he, he says that we can have? How can I have a perfect peace that, that, that will keep my mind in the days in which we're living? How can I have a peace in my heart? How can I have a peace in my mind when I see the things that are happening in my family, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my workplace? How can I have a peace when I have so many questions about my life, about my future, about where I'm going, what I'm doing, who I'll marry, will I marry, will I not marry, what job I'll have, what house I'll have. How will I know when I'm tormented these are real issues for people living every day? How can I have the peace that the Bible talks about? If you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 15, I want to show you in this 
that I believe this is where you can have this peace, friend. 2 Samuel 15, 23. Remember, David now knows the conspiracy's up. He knows that Absalom is all ready to take the throne. He's stolen the hearts of the people. And David's, all these events are unfolding before him. And David says, we'll go, lest the evil comes upon us. In 2 Samuel 15 and 23, it says these words, And all the country wept with a loud voice. What a scene. And all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over to way, towards the way of the wilderness. You know, they were displaced. It was like a new day. It was like a new position. They were moved. And lo, Zanuck also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and they sat down. The ark of God, the ark of the covenant, the divine presence, the symbol of the divine presence of God with his people. And Abiathar went up unto until all the people are done passing the city. Now watch this. And the king said <clears throat> unto Zadok, carry back, listen to what David said, carry back the ark of the covenant into the city. Listen, stop for a moment. This is a profound moment. David, the man who's after God's heart, the shepherd boy that slayed the giant that knew the anointing, the spirit of God upon his life, that God had raised up the call of God in his life, he knew that you read of him when that time when the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant and he longed to bring it back. You remember the time when he brought it and there was, as he, as he brought the, the Ark of the Covenant in, the Bible tells us that he danced with all his heart. He was so jealous, so zealous, as it were, for the presence of the Lord. And here David's standing, as it were, with a broken heart as the spirit of Absalom had risen up and the kingdom looks to be gone. And now he's moving out of Jerusalem and they're bringing the Ark and he stops and he says, Listen, I'll tell you what I want you to do. It doesn't sound... It doesn't just sound like what we would do, but here he says it. He says, listen, carry back the ark of God. Bring it back into the city. This is what he says. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto me. Do you know what this moment is? And this is what this is where this peace comes, friend. I want you to listen to me in this world of ter, ter, tribulation and turmoil. Maybe in your home it's it's like that. There's a whole lot going on. Maybe no one knows about it. Maybe it's just in your mind this morning. There's a whole lot of trouble going on. A whole lot of questions that you're asking. This is a surrender moment to the sovereign will of God. This is a moment in David's life where he totally, afresh, surrenders his whole existence, his life, his purpose into the sovereign will of Almighty God. It's a moment in David's life. Take the ark. You have it. You want this, you take it. You want the kingdom, you have the kingdom. But I'm going to place solely, I'm going to surrender everything of who I am and what I am and all my hopes and all my plans and all my ambitions and everything of my life. I'm going to surrender them. You take that ark back into Jerusalem. No, David, keep the ark. I mean, we have the ark of the covenant. Then we'll win. Take the ark of the covenant. Take the divine presence and the symbol of his presence. Bring it back into Jerusalem. And if I find favor in the eyes of God, I'm submitting my will, my plan, my purpose, and everything that's happening into the divine, sovereign will and purpose of Almighty God. It's surrender. What a moment when we can, by the grace of God, let me encourage you, friend, when we can, by the grace of God, simply come again and say, Lord, I'm going to surrender it all into your hands. Lord, all what I'm thinking, all the turmoil, all the plans, all the troubles, all what I think. Lord, your church, your work, your ministry, your callings, your everything, Lord. Oh God, this morning we come and we say, Lord, oh what peace there is in surrender. 
Oh, what victory there is in surrender. It's the opposite because the word is saying, grab it. Take your, take your opportunity. Get a hold of it. It's yours. But oh, what peace there is and victory there is in saying, Lord, it's all yours. It's all belonging to you, God, this morning. This is yours. This is your work. This is your calling. This is your ministry. This is your church. This is your life. Lord, you own me. You purchased me. I give it all to Jesus. What victory there is in surrender. But you see, that's the opposite of the world. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. And then he said these words, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so do it on earth. This is what we're to pray. Oh, holy is your name, Lord. But Lord, let your kingdom come. Let the kingdom of God come. Let it be manifested. And let your will be done. Surrender. Surrender. When Jesus began his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus said these words, Repent for the kingdom the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want to tell you what I believe the kingdom is. I believe the kingdom's a person. I believe the kingdom is Jesus Christ. He is the kingdom and he's the king of that kingdom. And he began to preach the kingdom. When we surrender thy kingdom come. When we surrender to the king and his kingdom. I tell you what happens friends. All striving stops. I tell you what happens, all questions are answered. I tell you what happens, all troubles disappear because we have surrendered in to the king's hand. The kingdom has come. Paul writes in Romans 14 and verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. What does he say next? And peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost we bring the kingdom of God. That is Jesus Christ. That's a person. Because Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our peace. And Jesus is our joy. And the Holy Ghost power brings all of those things alive to us. That's the kingdom of God. When we surrender, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we surrender, the peace of God floods our minds and our spirits. When we surrender, we stand right before a holy God. Surrender. The finite to the infinite, the limited to the unlimited, the limited vision to him who knows all things and sees all things, the weak to him who is the almighty, the confused to him who is the prince of peace, the despairing to him who is the hope, the sorrowful to him who is the God of all comfort, the unfaithful to him who is faithful. The ever We ever change, but to him who never changes. Surrender. Just surrender. What a place of victory. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts your minds through Jesus Christ. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. To the which also you're called in one body and be thankful. I don't need to know my tomorrow. What I need to know is do I trust him who holds all my tomorrows? Then the peace, then the peace of God that passes understanding floods my soul. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You know we can lose our peace so easy. You can lose it over things that perhaps I wouldn't lose it over. Because we are all different. We're made of the same stuff. But we have our own battles. We have our own weak, weak, weak points. And the devil knows it too well, doesn't he? What you are struggling with or what you're losing your peace over may not be what I'm losing my peace over. But I want to tell you something, friend. I know this morning, even in the battle to come up to this platform, I know, I know that the place of victory and the place of peace is surrender. Oh, surrender. I surrender all. You know, the devil will come with so many thoughts. Fifteen years ago, next week, we'll be here. 
15 years in Ballinahinch by the grace of God, serving the Lord. Thank God for all of what he has done, because he has done it, and he alone. But I want to tell you, friend, there's been many times, there's been great battles, and I've lost that peace. When God called us, Nikki and I, those 15 years ago, we felt, oh, well, we'll step out. And God told us to step out in faith, as driving tankers, and step out in faith, and you just believe me and trust me for everything. I'll provide for you. I'll give to you. I'll, I'll make sure that you won't go short. And, and God has done all of that, friends. We haven't been great all along the line, I confess that, but I know God has been faithful, and he's provided everything for us sometimes knocks at the door, bags are shut. We, we, we know God's faithful. The church now give us a salary and we are blessed. But I'm going to tell you, friend, we stepped out, but there's always a niggle in the back of my head. And I know it was the enemy. He'd come to me sometimes and he'd say, what are you going to do when you're older? What are you going to do? You have no pension. You have no this. You have no, and all the rest of it. And he'd come with all those thoughts. And I wouldn't say much, but I knew it was niggling. But I want to tell you something, friend. Or a good friend in, in Canada. You know him, Jim and Agnes. I'll tell you, that man poured into me one day. And I, I, I know that God has delivered me from all of that worry and all of that fear. When that old missionary 50 years in Cambodia and Thailand said to me one day, I've got a great retirement plan. I looked around because I said, I wonder what this is. And he says, my retirement plan is a place called heaven. I want to tell you, friend, I'm surrendered to all of this. Because, friend, one day we're going to go to heaven. I want to tell you about God's great pension pot. This world has no effect on it. But what we do and what we store up has a tremendous effect upon what happens when we get there. Let me tell you something, he's no man's debtor. I don't say any of that this morning. There's no, you know, faith by hints and trying to write letters and get things in. I want to tell you, friend, we're free from all of that. But let me tell you what I would struggle with or what would be my place when I lose peace over may not be yours. But what I do know is this, the principle is when I say I surrender all into your hands, there's a God in control of everything that will bring that peace. The peace that's found in the will of God. Let's surrender. Let's surrender. We are a people that surrender all to Jesus. Not just when we got saved. We still surrender. We surrender to him today. Father, this morning, I thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking. Lord, when the preacher's voice is silent, we say it so often, but we say it truly this morning. May the Spirit of God continue to work. May we get on our knees at our settees and say, Lord, we surrender all. Oh, what victory there is in surrender. And may the peace of God flood our souls. You've got it all in control. Lord, would you bless the drive-in church tonight? Would you draw the unsaved in? Would you be glorified through your people as they minister in testimony and song? And Stephen, as he brings the word, may your son be wonderfully glorified through this vessel. Lord, we give you the praise this morning. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.